From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, diabetic retinopathy and phaco emulsification. Our data seems to suggest that diabetic retinopathy still progress or develops slightly rapidly in the surgical eye compared to the non-surgical eye. First this. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month, but the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. The classical ethical quandary questions whether it is proper for a man to throw a stranger off a bridge into the path of an oncoming vehicle if doing so will save the lives of five other people. Although doing so may yield the greatest benefit to the greatest number of people, I wouldn't want to stand next to that guy on a bridge. Although routine eye care only rarely requires us to throw people off bridges, we are often faced with the choice of causing some harm in order to produce the greatest net benefit. Such a choice is presented to us every time we consider performing cataract surgery on a patient with macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy. But in the case of diabetes, much of the published data has been limited to older cataract techniques. Does the same hold true for FACO? My guest today, Jai Jin Wang, has just published results of a study examining this question. Jai Jin, welcome to A Scene From Here. Prior to your study, what was known about the association between cataract extraction and diabetic retinopathy? Well, in the 1970s and 80s, actually, there's a quite consistent evidence showing that, you know, diabetic retinopathy progressed uh, rapidly after the cataract surgery. But that time, the cataract surgery technique was used for the, what was the older techniques, uh, sorry, intracapsular or extracapsular cataract extraction, which is quite different from the current technique using the, you know, the phacal surgery. The phacal surgery has a much less, you know, traumatic to the eye. And how much progression was observed in these older surgeries and older studies? It was about 35% or 40% progression. That was according to the article published that time. What did your study seek to answer? Um, actually, my, my study primarily wants to address the question about cataract age-related macular degeneration because there was even more uh, significant clinical outcomes if age-related macular degeneration progressed rapidly to the end stage after cataract surgery and then confidence has been conflict and the question has not been, you know, conclusive. So initially I decided to study to look at, you know, cataract surgery and AMD. But since the cohort can also answer this question about the progression of diabetes retinopathy. So we just go ahead to also look at this, uh, the subgroup of patients who had diabetes and look at the progression of retinopathy. Jajin, what was the design of your study? It's a cohort study. So we recruit something like 2,000 
patients pre-surgery or one month post-surgery, and then we follow them up regularly, and we have a retinal photograph taken before the surgery, or one month after surgery, and also six months, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. So currently the study is still ongoing, but we have a retinal photograph to document the retinal conditions. So to, to enable us to look at you know, macular conditions and diabetic retinopathy progression. What was the nature of the cataract surgery in the study? These were phagos as opposed to the techniques in the prior studies. Yeah, it's large, 100% phago surgery. At the moment, there's no, no longer perform, you know, extracapsular or intracapsular surgery technique. No longer used anymore. Your study looked quantitatively at the progression of diabetic retinopathy. How was the degree of diabetic retinopathy quantified? Actually, we used the modified EDTR diabetic retinopathy classification system, which developed by levels. So in article, there's a table showing the levels. So we define the progression is, you know, one or more levels worsening at 12 months follow-up compared to either pre-operated status or one-month post-operate. We, we took the one-month post-operate photograph as considered as a baseline too because um, pre-op may be the cataract obscure the clear view of the retina. So we use the one-month post-op photograph as a supplement information as a baseline. How large was your study population? We recruited 2,000 cataract surgery patients. However, those with diabetes is only something like 20-30%. We only got 190 patients who had data. We can, you know, follow them. Actually, this is not a very large number, but it's relatively larger than a number of other studies. What were the results of your study? What were your findings? We, our data seem to suggest the diabetic retinopathy still progress or develop slightly rapidly in the surgical eye compared to the non-surgical eyes, compared two ways. One is any surgical eye to any non-surgical eye. We also select the participants who have only one eye have operated, and then we made only one eye operate for the 12 months follow-up period. So we compare, we, we call a pair eye comparison of the same patients. So in that case, in the same patient, they have the same, sorry, my dog here. They have the same patient with um, diabetic control level, with glucose level, with, you know, everything the same as the systemic factors, except the eye is different. One have operation, another doesn't. So we consider this sort of comparisons more, more valid or more highly comparable. The difference is sort of marginally non-significant, but does suggest that the trend is actually on the increased ox ratio, around 2. Meaning that the likelihood of progression for an eye that's had surgery is uh, twice as great as the likelihood of progression in a comparable eye that has not had surgery. Yeah, yeah, closer to 2, yeah, close to double the rate. But of course, this finding you will need to be confirmed. Were patients excluded from the study for surgical complications like unplanned vitrectomy? Um, no, we only have two patients who had vitrectomy due to the tears of the posterior capsules. So uh, we didn't exclude these two patients. And I don't think the two eyes actually 
have a significant influence on outcomes. How many patients in this study were able to participate in the paired eye analysis in which surgery was done in one eye and not done in the other? Um, quite a lot of the patients went on second eye operation, so we, we did only have limit numbers. So after excluding who already have diabetes retinopathy at baseline, which one we don't consider they are still at risk of diabetes retinopathy development, we only got 45 eyes. Uh, 40, uh, 45 patients who made unilateral surgery at 12 months and were at least consider diabetic retinopathy progression. Still, that's a pretty sizable group given the criteria that you had to work with. Yeah, the other reason we're excluding those is once they have a laser therapy, they are considering as the highest level of diabetic retinopathy and they are no longer progress further. So that group I we also had to exclude because they can't progress any further. So actually, we only got 45 patients with one eye compared to the other eyes. But actually, uh, it's quite a valid comparison from my point of view. How did these data compare with earlier studies of diabetic retinopathy patients undergoing intracapsular cataract extraction and, and extracapsular cataract extraction? Um, it seems to suggest the progression rate is, is lower, but still there. Lower in the FACO eyes? Yeah. If compared to the other study uh, after facial surgery, um, our study samples are relatively larger. And then we also have a quite, you know, careful comparison. But uh, when you look at the percentage of progression, actually, the percentage progression we observe is quite close to the another three studies who also look at, you know, diabetes retinopathy progression after facial surgery. Because the previous study, they could not find significant finding. It's likely due to they have a small numbers, not sufficient study power because the progression rate is, is minor. So you need a larger sample size to be able to detect the, the differences. You looked, in essence, in case control eyes and in paired eyes. Were the paired eye data any different from the case control data? They're coming from the same group of patients. So actually, the any eye comparison also including the pair eye, the forty-five patients who have pair eye comparison. The paired eye results were similar to the case control results. The findings, yes, they are in the same chain. Could it be that the presence of a significant cataract itself is a marker, an indicator of an eye at risk of progression of diabetic retinopathy, independent of whether the patient actually undergoes cataract extraction? That's a possibility. But my point to argue is, if cataract is uh, worse, diabetes retinopathy is worse, they're all coming from like glucose levels. So if the same patient, they have the same glucose level systemically, so the, uh, the effect of the glucose on cataract or on diabetes retinopathy should be the same on both eyes. You have no reason to assume you know, glucose level affect the right eye more than the left eye because it's the same patient. So the pair eye comparison actually actually argue against for this possibility. If the increased risk is genuinely a result of the cataract surgery, then what do you think that the pathogenesis is here? I couldn't tell you exactly what exactly mechanism. Some studies find out this uh, be, uh, breakdown of the blood and anterior acres anterior chamber ache is barrier, but still how exactly this sort of breakdown can explain the progression of retinopathy, I'm, I'm still not able to offer any 
we we only doing you know observational study in clinical patients, and we haven't involved a lot of lab research or animal research. So I don't think I I'm in a position to answer this question. Jaijin, how do you integrate this information into your own practice, and what should I do? I think I would like to advise the patient to, you know, get regularly checked up by the eye even after cataract surgery to monitor their diabetes retinopathy status and still, you know, continue have, you know, being followed and monitored. Also still, you know, tightly control the diabetes as much as they they can. How long do you think that this increased risk persists after surgery? We're still following this cohort. At the moment, we are looking at the short term or um, mid term, let me say, one and two years post-operative period. Uh, but we we intend to follow this cohort up to five years after surgery. So hopefully, by that time, we are able to assess whether the increase, you know, progression rate still exists five years after surgery. Unfortunately, it's unlikely we have many eyes by that time still one eye operate or another eye not uh, not operated because um, right now the bilateral surgery rate is very high. But hopefully we can use uh, like, you know, the survival analysis, which taken into consideration when... Jaijin, the, how do you integrate the, the period this information when into they your own not practice? having surgery, the eye, to compare the, you know, the, the period after surgery. So we, we will work out see whether we are able to answer this question. Jaijin, is there anything that you'd like to add? I think at the moment, this still acquire preliminary data. I really want to see the confirmation or in the future larger number of studies and then looking at, you know, the consistency of this finding across different patient samples. Because in clinical study or in epidemiological studies, um, you need to verify the finding, looking at the consistency across different studies, also looking at, you know, the sort of dose response pattern, that sort of association. So we, we try to look at many other ways of evidence to support whether this is a true finding or just a, a chance finding. Jai Jin Wang, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Jai Jin Wang is Senior Research Fellow and Associate Professor of Clinical Ophthalmology and Eye Health in the Western Clinical School in the Westmead Millennium Institute for Medical Research in the University of Sydney in Sydney, Australia. Her paper, Development and Progression of Diabetic Retinopathy 12 Months After Phacoemulsification Cataract Surgery, is in press in ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Wang or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.